There's been a major escalation in tribal violence in Papua New Guinea. More than 25 people shot dead in an ambush in the country's highlands. Authorities are now calling for calm as they investigate one of the largest massacres in the region in recent history. There was an update to this afternoon as local police revised the death toll down after revealing they'd received the wrong headcount. Paul Barker is the Executive Director of PNG's Institute of National Affairs. He joins me now from Port Moresby. Paul, what do we know about this attack? For, let's start with where. We know it's in the bushland uh, province of Enga. Tell me about the bit of the history there, because I know last year there was a lockdown. Uh, there was some serious concerns over security. Obviously, things haven't improved. Yes, well, we had uh, last year, of course, the or the year before last, we had the national elections, and the national elections themselves are a, a trigger for a level of violence. And we've seen in some of the Highlands provinces, and tribal fighting is a long, uh, has a long history in, in the Highlands, but in some of the provinces, it, it's become more peaceful. But the two provinces or the three provinces that are more resource-rich in the West, conflict seems to have actually escalated. And it's become more lethal because of the use of uh, of modern weaponry. So you're having sub-automatic weapons and so on being used. And this particular district is in the Wapanamanda district of Enga province. And it actually is not such a resource-rich part of the province. And it usually is a relatively peaceful uh, district within the province. So it's a it's an unusual scenario, but it was the conflict sort of spun out from the adjoining district and uh, and really took off. And the problem is you have all these tribal allegiances and alliances. And if one then is attacked, then uh, you bring in your allies. And to some extent, they all get sort of forced to be dragged into, into a conflict. And that gets more out of hand. And it's really becomes often too hard for the police and the authorities to sort of to really handle, while the politicians are often you know, stepping back and don't really want to get involved, partly because during the election periods, they often actually are um, running their own gangs. Um, so, you know, to some extent, it, there are no brownie points for them to sort of go and step in and try and uh, restrain things. So there's a familiar pattern here in terms of tribal conflicts. What is unusual and disturbing in this uh, event are these high-powered guns? There's reports of SLRs, AK-47s, uh, M4 rifles, AR-15s, M16, pump action and single shots, homemade guns as well. Uh, obviously, control over weapons in Papua New Guinea uh, is being lost. Where are these weapons coming from? Are they coming from Australian security contractors? Are they coming from uh, illegal uh, importation from, from elsewhere? Where, where would they be coming from? They seem to mostly come in from across the border with West Papua and from the southern coast. So they come in on on vessels, maybe log ships sometimes, sometimes across the border from Australia. Sometimes they get linked in with a trade in you know marijuana going out. Um, but certainly when there are resource um, royalty payments or compensation payments, they seem to be used often for, for buying new weaponry. Someone made the comment the other day that when there was compensation, it should go to the victims rather than to the warlords because the warlords who very much control this agenda, they use the the payments as uh, to, to purchase the next array of weaponry. So you're actually, and you also have this increasing use of uh, outsiders. So you're using uh, mercenaries or um, 
you know, snipers sometimes in these conflicts rather than just the locals. So they're hired employees sort of used to sort of take out uh, leading players or players from the enemy side, as it were. It's 12 past four. Pacific public policy expert Paul Barker is here. We're talking about the more than 25 people massacred in tribal fighting in PNG uh, earlier in the day. That number was uh, somewhat higher. Uh, it's been revised down by the Papua New Guinea police uh, just a, a few moments ago. So what happens when these instances spill out into other provinces or is it perforce of the tribal the tribes involved that keeps them um, located centrally to the the highland provinces such as inga yeah no they they remain usually local conflicts they're often sort of long standing conflicts over resources over land sometimes as i say po- political conflicts sort of uh, sometimes over uh, various other issues but they're often long standing and uh, and they take a bit of uh, capital, as it were, to go and try and step in and 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 break them up. There have been some quite successful models of uh, concluding tribal conflicts where you've really forced the leaders or those warlords to be step aside while uh, while the actual tribesmen are actually brought together and realise they actually haven't got such a lot in. Uh, to, to be in conflict over, but that takes a, a level of guts to to go in and and do that sort of dispute resolution, and that's the way forward is to sort of seek and use uh, effective dispute resolution methods that bring modern methods together with old traditional uh, arrangements. Because as I say, that has all been disrupted by this increasing uh, level of monetarization, including money politics, the use of gangs, uh, and then this resource wealth, which is often uh, drives it. Sometimes that can be the, you know, the drug trade and things like that, but usually it's just um, normal resources, you know, the the proceeds from from uh, mineral and oil and gas exploration and, and uh production. I know in the past the Australian police, uh, whether it's AFP or Territory or State, I'm not sure, have trained and provided resources for training for Papua New Guinea police. But does this demonstrate a bit more of a need, particularly when it comes to firearms and ammunition control? Do you think the PNG government has enough resources to deal with this issue uh, by itself? It doesn't. It doesn't have the resources. These weapons are are guarded in households. I mean, I've been told in Hella that the every household just about has a weapon, both as status symbol and for protection. Uh, so to encourage people, when households are asked to hand in weapons, they hand in old shotguns or, or old um, homemade guns. And you really have to, uh, you'd have to work very hard to persuade them to hand in these expensive and high-powered weapons but they have to see a net gain out of it. So you actually have to bring all sides together to see the net gain. The police are very much urban-centred, and these conflicts are going on, particularly in the rural areas. Police capacity to get out into the field, their numbers are limited, their um, capacity is limited. You you need to combine um, the policing approach with the defence, but you very much need to be linking in with traditional and modern uh, leadership and and use dispute resolution methods sort of not just as it were the force of arms yeah uh, interesting to talk to you paul paul barker is the Exe- executive director of png's institute of national affairs good afternoon to you good afternoon